Before we start this episode, I want to ask you this. What is one thing new that you've learned this week? For me, it's celebrating the now, being grateful, and just loving. In life, it's important to keep on learning, to keep on moving, to keep on growing, to keep on sharing, to keep on searching, and to be the best in all that you do. And that's what Front Row is all about, helping you grow with some of the most phenomenal products. Front Row is in the business of changing lives. Contact an authorized Front Row distributor now. This podcast is also brought to you by Hygienics. With COVID-19 still being a threat to our everyday life, it is up to us to keep ourselves healthy and clean. Hygienics offers a wide array of products to help keep you germ-free throughout the day. Hashtag fight world germination with Hygienics. This podcast is also brought to you by AMA Online Education. OED allows you to enroll anytime, start anytime, study anytime, flexi enrollment, flexi courses, flexi time. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Hi, I'm Boy Abunda. Welcome to my podcast. Who are you? No one is watching. My guest, Frankie Pangilinan. Hi, Kaki. Hi, Tito Boy. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, thank you. Tired, not gonna lie. You know, in over a year, I haven't seen you and you have bloomed. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I never know how to handle compliments, much less from someone I respect as much as you. So I'm like, I'm no. getting giddy. I'm so killing. That, that's spoken mula sa puso. I'd go straight. Are you single? Yes. Right now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you have to tell me how, how this happens. Market can single. Um, I think it's because in recent months, even in New York, actually, it's especially in New York, I think that's where the habit was sort of developed. Because Singapore, I spent a semester and a half there, and then I had to come home for COVID. But in New York specifically also, I was kind of meeting a few guys and stuff like that. But then anyone I'd end up sort of talking to, if it got a bit, to like if I started really feeling something my brain had this sort of automatic reflex where it would sort them into a hate file in my head <laughs> and uh, not not even hate obviously but like for absolutely no reason um maybe a couple of weeks into having a crush on someone recently I've sort of been like I don't like them like I really don't like them like anything they do or anything they say like sort of like annoys me and I feel like it's just like a self it's sort of a defense mechanism lang. all right Okay, you know. because you don't want to get into a relationship. But that tells us that, that the last relationship must have been kind of unpleasant for uh, you to yeah. have this mindset. It was. Yeah. How a long ago bit, was this? Um, two or a year and a half. A year if you count the, the sort of middle, like in between, like not yeah. so sure area. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Kaki, what is it? Filipino young man? Young yeah, boy? Yeah, Filipino. Yeah. And the guys who go and, you know, and uh, talk to you in New York, are these foreigners? They're like, um, um, there's, your preference? I don't really have like a type. Naman po. Yeah, ah, I don't have okay. like a preference. All it's right. just sort of, yeah, I got involved 
briefly with the guy also in the states for like a a, a week, two weeks, sort of. But then you know, I I kind of have this flight instinct now, I guess, because I mm. feel like there's just so many things that I want to do, and there's so many things that I feel like I need to focus on, and I don't want to like string anybody on. I don't want to like hurt anybody if I'm unable to give them the time and the attention that they might need. So. Yeah, okay. For a better understanding, I want to go back to that last relationship without having to go mm-hmm. into details. But how unpleasant and how painful was that, that you actually have that hate section in your brain? We're still friends now. I'll put it that way. So after a while, after a long time, but given... So you can lock actually that hate section now and be more open. <laughs> yeah, seguro. <laughs> but I think um, just in terms of... I, I don't want to say like it was traumatic or anything, but because a series of things, it wasn't just the relationship, a series okay. of things that um, and experiences really sort of shook me in my last year of high school and also a lot of my friends and stuff like that. And so I feel like it was sort of all of these things in succession that were not really great for my mental health and were not really great for my heart. And so there's a wall that I wish wasn't necessarily there, but it's very much like guard your heart and very much like just stay you know, like be nice and stuff. And I'm, I'm not the, the type of person who would ever ghost someone like on texting, you know, ghosting, like when you just don't respond to messages period mm-hmm. or for, for a long time. And then eventually you just stop talking. Like, I don't do that, but I don't know. I feel like there's just so much, I've grown so much personally in the last couple of years. And it's, it's crazy to me because I know that if I was in a relationship, I wouldn't have grown nearly as much. So yeah. <laughs> you think so? You think so? Yeah, it would have, it would have so. you know, hampered your growth. Yeah, okay. a little bit. So, so but, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, about to tell you that you also have to be cautious because mm-hmm. at 20, you, you, should be, <laughs> you should be exploring. You should be, yes. you know, you should be enjoying life. How many serious relationships have you had? Serious? Like, yeah, as in like serious. One. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know why you are so tough. Oh my gosh. Why? I don't think I am, to be honest. Really? Like, to be, yeah, to be quite frank, I don't think I am. When people mention things like, oh, you're so brave, etc. I'm like, but I'm not. I feel like I'm terrified, honestly. And I get so anxious about things and I overthink and I, I, I think quite deeply about everything it's like i think Mm. 10 million things a second and then those 10 million things become other 10 million things and it's just like it's it it, it's a cycle of i don't want to say no one's self-destruction but it it sort of feels that deep sometimes you know especially on the darker days when things aren't necessarily so great which of course there's a lot there's been a lot of those given quarantine but siguro may endurance but i don't think i'm strong i don't think i'm tough i don't no no really because uh what I'm trying to say is you have the choice and you can be, you can be safe, you can be boring even, but I have this impression of you that you are unafraid to distract, to disrupt, to affect people's uh, thinking, to disagree, to speak out, to be uncomfortable. Am I right or wrong? I think it's not necessarily unafraid to make people uncomfortable or it's not necessarily to make people um to kind of incite reactions or provoke. I think it's more of just, I feel as if I owe it to myself to have that sort of integrity and to be that kind of, that, that, to have that um, capacity for honesty that I feel like is kind of amiss nowadays, especially on social media, especially online. 
even like digital content, etc. I feel like I owe it to myself to just be honest, and I owe it to you know it, it's my own. I feel like it's my own role also to contribute to the community or whatever. That you know to be to have that integrity and to just kind of maintain um, who I am consistently all throughout what I do in my life. Okay, two and, points, Kaki. Yeah. You, you you mentioned you know you you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your community. Why that perspective? Why do you owe yourself that? And why do you owe your community that? Because I think that, I mean, first and foremost, I think that that's explicitly how my parents sort of raised me. It was to be, um, you know, there's like this deep set awareness of the self and of one's positionality. This is, um, I learned this in anthropology, but basically it's like positionality in terms of your place within your community, right? And so those things tend to really affect the way that I think because I don't think that anything is linear anymore. There's not much that's black and white. Like there's so few that I'm certain of now. I feel like as you grow also, the less sure you ever get of the world. The more you know, the less sure you are. And the less you know, the more certain you, you certainly are. I remember actually um, just referring back to the whole like tough conversation also. I think that that sort of endurance might have been built ever since I was a little kid because I remember being six or seven when I saw my very, very first hate comment online against myself. And I didn't even have social media. Social media wasn't a thing then, you know? It was just like a YouTube video segura that my sister and I were like, yeah, se- seven then if it was YouTube. Like my sister and I were like scrolling through like videos like, haha, oh my God, like that's you, that's me, like stuff like that. That was big lang. Someone is like, I forget exactly what the comment was, but I'm sure it was something along the lines of like, oh, I'm like ugly or oh, I'm, you know, something superficial to that extent. But because I was so small, and because I hadn't even done anything, I, I didn't have a public voice then. I couldn't stand up for myself. There was no outlet for anybody to really do that. But especially for a kid, you know, it kind of, I don't want to say it scarred me, but I think that that was just the start. That's the only reason why I remember that particularly, because it was the very first time. And ever since then, no matter what I've said or done, there's always been people who do that. They like People will like send me messages of just pure hatred and it's so strange to me because even prior to me having you know and I, I used to be so scared I used to be so scared to do things or say things until I realized that it was sort of like that that commentary and that discourse was inevitable if that makes sense and, it does. and so okay. yeah it does it does so, and it like, brought me to as early as when you were seven years old I understand that but I want to mm-hmm. go back to this sense of community, this sense yeah. of, you know, too much, uh, to whom much is given, much is uh, uh, required. You know, uh, yeah. you mentioned about your parents. And as you speak for, your, uh, for yourself and for the things that you believe in, you, I, I don't know if this is something that's conscious or deliberate or something that you're aware of. You provoke, you know, you unsettle people. Uh, yeah. Along the way, you, you distract in a good way. You disrupt. You make us think uh, because there are things that you think differently. And now you're talking about how people are reacting to you. You, yeah. know, uh, you know, some with hate, some with love. And how, how do you handle love? How do you handle people who come to you and say, you're so brave, but take good care of yourself? I feel like it's, it's certainly odd for me to be told that I am brave now. And I feel like some people, you know, because you a lot of people tend to say that. Yeah, not odd necessarily, but a part of me is a little bit unsettled. I'm not going to lie. Because it's sort of as if I feel like what I say online, I feel as if that should be the norm. Or like that, that, that um, supposed bravery, uh-huh. that degree of confidence or whatever that people like to attribute to me. I feel like that's just, that's what should be 
normalized. I feel like that's what should be widely accepted and promoted. And, you know, that's what we should, should be developed. Yeah. And but so Kaki, it's, it's not. It's not. Yeah. So how, how do you deal with that? I mean, you know, uh, you're, you're talking about the audacity uh, to make pronouncements, for example, in this day and age when, you know, it's easier to be safe. It's easier to be, as yeah. I said earlier, it's easier to be boring. Yeah. But I think... That's not you. Not necessarily like, it's not like I want to test the norms or anything, but I guess I would rather devote my life to being consequential. Okay. You know, I would rather devote what I do and what, Siguro, like by the end of my life or by the end of whatever, you know, because I know that one day I'm probably going to get tired. One day I'm probably going to, and I hope not, I certainly hope not, that there won't, like, I certainly hope that there won't be any sort of like white flag situation where I'm just like, okay, tamana. And then I give up on the stuff that I'm trying to say, you know what I mean? And I feel like, but at the same time, it's sort of just, why would anyone want to live their lives being somebody else and playing it safe? Like, it's so short. It's right. so, and I'm sorry if that's cheesy, but like, it's- No, 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 no. Certain, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. That makes a I'd lot rather, of sense. I'd rather, I, I want to live feeling alive, you know, because there's so much, there's so much mundane, like this sort of dullness in safety also. Right. And it's like with the way that everything nowadays also is so commercialized and everything becomes so routine, especially online and especially because everybody's in isolation. It's sort of like, why, why would I resign to that? Why would I just acquiesce and sort of surrender? And no, I, love, I, I love that rumination. And I love, I, I love the idea that I, I may get tired, but I hope not. You know, it's <laughs> uh, uh, part, you know really, because you, we all go through that. And it has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with it has nothing to do with where we are. But Kaki, I listen to you and you have a political voice, you have your political discourse, you have your music. Right now, as we talk, what is your state of mind? You know, as I wouldn't say, um, yeah. do you identify yourself as a political activist or a commentarist? How how do you identify yourself? Um, I like to always I've said this I think a couple of times before on several mm. other platforms, but I like to say that it's not about politics for me, it's always it's just about principle. Okay. All right. Yeah, and I feel like as if I, I feel like that's something that's been sort of nurtured in me also by my parents' example because both of them, even though sometimes opposing and sometimes agreeing, you know, and everybody in this house honestly is encouraged to have their own sort of set of personal convictions that they abide by and that they stand up for. You know, we're we're not we're encouraged to kind of think for ourselves and to just de- like to develop like that strong, I guess, voice that you like that you mentioned, right? right. And that so, common, yeah. Right. So as a young girl with, uh, with uh, a principled voice and as a music artist, what is that state of mind? Oh my gosh. I guess exhausted. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like not, 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 I'm not saying that I'm even doing that much. I'm just saying that like, the, the, the self-reflection is, has reached new depths. I'm not going to lie to the boy. Okay. It's, yeah, and it's just, it's, it's been kind of, Nuts, because every day, you know, something else happens. Every day, there's something new in the news. Every day, there's some other, otherworldly type feeling occurrence, you know, especially now in 2020, when it seems like the world's about to end and everybody's talking about the rapture, <laughs> like it's coming. <laughs> you know, Am I going to stay? <laughs> this is the rapture yeah. going to stay? <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be gone? The <laughs> yeah. to me, is sort of just, I wish, I hope that I can devote most of my attention, if not all of it, to just simply what is fundamental and what is important. Because I feel like there's so much now that is so, 
nakakalito na eh. It's like everything is overlapping and everything is just kind of, it's it, it's all becoming so muddled. And I just, I, I hope to be able to focus on things where I can actually affect things, where I can actually sort of do something good or at least that I think is good, though people may not think it's always good, you know? Like, <laughs> no, but I totally get you. But sometimes you find balance in chaos. You, you, you find balance really in this equilibrium that you have to be, you have to be uh, unbalanced uh, once in a while for you to actually find where you should be. You know why I ask? Because right now when you were talking, I've been doing television, I've been doing talk for all my life, I mean, over 30 years. And I asked you about your state of mind. And I was thinking just now, I said, you know, you know what? I'm still auditioning. Uh, this is a new thing. This is my first podcast interview. And what an honor to have you, really, Akaki. And it's such a huge honor to be here. No, and my first, so this is my first conversation on, uh, on my podcast. And I realized that, yes, um, I'm unsettled. I am, I am in a territory that I am not familiar with, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. It's okay to be, to be balancing. That, that's uh, that's what I wanted to say. No, I, I just wanted to go back to New York. How long have you spent uh, time in New York? Um, okay, so there was August to December. So that's August, September, October, November, November. December. So that's four months. And then okay. I went back in. I went back home for Christmas break. And then January to February, March. So it's like barely six months <laughs> total. I I, I want to know what has it done to you. I think that's the thing because obviously you know. Studying in New York sort of reeks of privilege in itself. And I feel as if, you know, that's something that I really kind of had to come to terms with because I, I, get, I get pretty guilty really easily. And I don't know why that is. I feel like it might have something to do with the fact that my dad sort of, when he was raising us, it was always like, whether, no matter what we did, my dad would always sort of be like, oh, do you know? Like, for example, um, if, I'd left, if, if I left the lights on in my room one day, he'd, co- he'd come and talk to me and he'd be like, do you know that there are people who literally don't have lights on? Do you know how much the electricity bill costs? Do you know? Et cetera. So there's always Mahalang like... Cor- Mahalang corriente. Okay. Exactly, exactly. And like, it would all, it, it, not just that, you know what I mean? It would also go... It, it was like when I wanted a toy, my dad would be like, okay, but you have to save up for it. So I had to sell banana queue in the Senate and in like my little stall at home and like a lemonade stand. Like I made mm. that stuff, you know what I mean? just so that I could buy like a, my first guitar, even though it was a toy guitar. And so being in New York was just sort of a lot of that for me. I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I'm here to study and I'm here to like work. But at the same time, in a really weird way, um, the reason why I think I, I opted to study in New York as opposed to study here was because there's a whole other set also of advantages that I would have here were I to remain, you know, that I would need, like I needed to be, I needed to live alone frankly. Like, that's pretty much okay. it. I needed to live alone. I needed to do all of my groceries and carry everything, even 14 blocks from the nearest, like, and you know walk. what I mean, from the nearest market and walk my, by myself and like go up to the dorm and just like set it up all together, like do my laundry every weekend, like things like that, that I wouldn't normally be doing here. And it's, it's so stupid to me that like, there are still people out there who kind of, you know, I feel like there's so many out of touch, um, there's there's so much out of touch discourse, especially because there's such a wide disparity in income in the Philippines. You know, there's okay. you have your slums right next to BGC, etc. And because of that, I feel like there's there's no connection. And when people like who are, you know, you know, on the more privileged side of things, privileged kids, etc., when they love to talk about how like, oh my god, today like, um, 
I washed my dishes or today I like, I'm like, but that's things that normal people do. Like, that's not a, that's not a fun thing. It's not like a change. Does that make sense? And so I don't know, but for me, it's just, I feel like that's something that I had to, those are experiences that were essential to me. And you know, every like time said, you ask if it makes sense, you know, I remember one of your quotes when you said that every point of view, you know, makes sense. But before that, <laughs> now I just wanted to ask you, Kaki, uh, when are you most vulnerable? When I'm writing. At 20, what are you most passionate about? Writing. <laughs> when, wh- writing. What, was, what was the last piece you wrote? Um, I'm writing currently because I have five novels actually up on Wattpad but um, the last mm. thing I wrote last night I started um, writing a song so I wrote a couple of courses for that also but Tito Boy it's all I do um, I literally will stay up till sunrise just writing something and then I didn't realize that the time had gone by and I'm like oh okay so I have to go to sleep but yeah I think the most um, crazy sort of piece that I wrote recently in recent days was um a, a couple of weeks ago i wrote this one story where it was basically this guy's life from start to finish mm. and then when i posted it i i felt empty because i was working on that story for like three months you gave and, it all yeah yeah and it was like i didn't realize how it was it, it, it sort of is my defense mechanism too to write because i think that i didn't realize how much i was projecting my real life um okay you know, my real life musings into that stuff. I didn't realize it at all until I had finished. And then when I read it, it, I was like, oh God, like I realized right then. And it was okay. And then as I read it, I just, I couldn't write anything for two weeks after that because I was like, it felt like somebody had actually passed away. (laughs) Okay. Kaki, I want to go, I want to go to the story of Sitio San Roque. You know, of course, everybody has heard about it. And uh, the stories that they protested because they wanted aid from the government. And um, you, 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 tweeted about it okay and um yes. you got all sorts uh, all sorts of reaction you even paid for the bail of one of the residents with mom and dad helping this social awareness Kaki, is it something that you were born with or is it something that evolved this podcast is brought to you by front row front row is in the business of changing lives contact an authorized front row distributor now I think it's both inherited and also nurtured, okay. if that makes sense. Because a lot of my parents influenced I, growing up on upon us, all of all of us, me and my siblings. Um, it was very much like we know you're in a bubble, but we're not going to keep you in it. Like it's we're going to make sure it's a see-through bubble, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. It's going to be see-through, and you're going to know exactly what your position is, so that you know exactly how to help. So I can't, I can't ever talk about exactly how all of that, you know, that's not something that's, that's unique to me. It's entirely raised and bred within us, okay. like all of their kids. That's because scary. I think precisely, precisely because that's their, their careers, their professions are so, you know, um, engaged with the public and engaged with the masses. And I think that okay. that has a lot to do with why their influence was so strong growing up in terms of, you know, we're going to make sure that you're as aware of your circumstances as possible and as aware of the change that you can therefore bring about with those circumstances and within, within your circumstances. I, I always so. say that the beauty about Kaki Pangilinan is that you've been very consistent about these things. You've been fighting for the rights of the poor. Uh, you've been very passionate about Jennifer Laude, about uh, the other girl, Abel uh, Pineda, and mm-hmm. uh, the rights of the poor. My question is, what do you know about being poor? 
that's the thing, right? I think that's precisely it. It's because I can never have those first-hand experiences. And that's exactly, I think, what drives me forward. It's that empathy that drives me forward. It's precisely because there is such a divide. There uh-huh. is such an extreme polar difference between where I am and like where they are. And that's exactly why, what is wrong with the world. That's why there's so, it's so unjust that that's exactly where we, where we are. And I love, you know, and people And that's the reason why to, you're trying in your life to close, uh, to close in the yeah, gap. Yeah, to close that okay. gap, to okay. lessen it. Because I think that that's precisely what it is. It's like, just because I'm on this side doesn't mean I don't. And, you know, no, I truly acknowledge, I will never know the pain of literally suffering every day fighting to, to get to my next meal. And, I, I right. doubt, unless, unless something goes horribly wrong as I, as I get older, you know what I mean? But I don't think, I, I haven't experienced that thus far. And that's precisely why I think I fight for it. It's because no one should have to experience that, period. And no one should have to, you know, and, that, and that's, that's what I like to say. It's like the pain of that injustice is something that I'll never experience. So any pain that I get or any backlash that I get for trying to fight against that injustice, it's only fleeting. And it can't even compare to that sheer okay. agony. And in the yeah. process to us, you express that love of country. And I'll just push it a little bit. Why yeah. do you love this country so much? It's, every, it's all of who I am. I don't understand how people can not be patriotic, especially when you see something so beautiful going through so much abuse. And by something, I, I mean like the country and our people. And I mean, you know, because I grew up and I think that that's the thing. It's like, you know, you grow up in elementary school and they teach you all of these things in Sibika and Hekasi. And what's the point of all of that if you're just going to kind of disregard it and give up? You know, and I think that that's, that's something I definitely also inherited from my dad because I think for my mom, much of life is more of an escape. To her, I think she prefers like the ideas of elsewhere and kind of, you know, being able to just leave for a while. But I think that dad is the one who's very, very patriotic at home. And it's just, you know, who I am, who, who am I if I'm not Pinoy? Because that's the thing also. I'm not, I'm not a half I don't have those identity issues, you know, because I know that there's a lot of discourse also on like Phil Ammons particularly or kids of OFWs, etc. And like in terms of belonging. But that's something that my dad loved to stress. Also, he was like, I wanted you to feel like you belong somewhere. So that's why we're not dual citizens. We're not, you know what I mean? Both my parents are Kapampangan. So it goes even deeper. Even the provincial roots are very um, unified. Are very strong. Yeah, very, very strong. In fact, mm. boy, random fact, I just found out recently that Pingan is not Tagalog and I feel like my whole world has been shaken. It's pla- platito. <laughs> platito. I, I didn't know that. I'm Warai. <laughs> so Pingan is not Tagalog. It should be platito. Pingan yeah. is what? Pingan is kapabangan pala. That's what my mom oh, okay. was saying. Also, like, you know, in a lot of words that go on at home, like when she goes, Rogo, I didn't know that that was kapabangan. <laughs> so for me, I've just been having such like a, like an identity overload, I think, over quarantine. <laughs> because, okay. I, you know, so much of it is like, I'm coming to terms with it. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, that's actually oh, no, that's so beautiful, Kake. That's yeah. beautiful. Okay, you talk about mom and dad. Uh, how do you deal with two very powerful people? I mean, mom, of course, is the iconic Sharon Cuneta. You have a senator mm-hmm. for a father, Francis Pangilinan. How do you survive it? I think that's exact. Um, that's another thing that's sort of, it, it, it answers itself. Because yeah. I think that with their strength, you know, in other words, we sort, that, that's exactly who we were brought up by. And that's, who we're, that's precisely who we were brought up to be as well. 
Um, I remember also during the whole Ihako conversation when that first sort of came out, uh, number one question for me was also like, oh, what were your parents' reactions when they found out that you said this or stuff like that? And I was like, they didn't react because they know I'm like that. <laughs> like at the dinner table, we're like that. In fact, also, there's a lot of people also who are like, oh, she'll just piggyback with whatever her dad says or whatever her mom says, etc. They don't know that I fight with them the most. <laughs> like, I, fight, I probably argue more with my dad than I've ever argued with anybody else. Okay, and but whose yeah. opinions matter the most? Oh, no, there's no, there's no, I, I can't. There, one does not supersede the other. There's no, there's no okay. possible. But it, it uh, is, it, is it safe to say that their opinions matter? Yes. Okay. For sure. All right. For sure. Okay. I just want to go to um, a post of a netizen. And you know, remember that netizen who, who went out of his way to, uh, to criticize you, to, to hate you even. Uh, remember that no one will buy your music. Uh, you're a music oh. <laughs> child and that you're trying to be relevant. And uh, you responded, and I quote, And yet, uh, here I am living rent-free in your brain, sir. My question, Kaki, is why are you residing in the minds of people who dislike you rent-free? Maintaining a clear mind and a clean body is essential in our day-to-day lives. Hygienics has the right product for the everyday you. Always on the go, Hygienics Alcohol is a non-drying solution to keep your hands constantly clean and soft. Want a deeper clean? Hygienics Germ Kill Soap not only kills germs, but it is also offered in various refreshing scents with all the worries present each day. Cleanliness should not be one of them. Hashtag Fight World Germination with Hygienics. No, no, that's just a saying of Gen Z. I don't know. I understand, but I love the way you put it. Yeah. <laughs> and like, here I am. Residing in your brain. I and it's so know. interesting to me, actually. The irony of that comment was it was in response to a response that I was making to somebody who asked, when are you releasing new music? So okay. the fact that there was somebody who was asking that, I feel like that sort of was just like, you know, it was it was comical to me. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I was asking, I self-plug. But it's just, yeah, it was just funny to me because it was in response to that precise sort of... It, the question was, when are you releasing new music? So I answered. And then someone <laughs> and then was like, nobody will buy them. your music. And I was like, but bro. <laughs> <that's> the- <laughs> you, you, you called him sir. You, yeah, you were very I was, polite. I was like, yes, because I, I, that's the other thing also. I think prim- a lot of those who have stuff to say about me, I think that a lot of them are not from, not within my age range. Right. Um, you can kind of tell just based on like, you know, how they phrase things, etc. Okay. And so, and it's so curious to me because that's the thing. If you're so bothered by me, sir, why are you here? <laughs> why am I still in your brain? Like you had to go online, you had to write tweets and you had to tag me and talk about me and then hit send and feel proud of yourself for some reason because you don't like me that much. Like recently, there was another one. He took screenshots of this YouTube video of me. He took like dozens of screenshots and then he posted them to laugh at them now. And I was like, but, you, but now there's, screen, there's like dozens of screenshots of me on your phone. Okay. So, like, you know, like, it's confusing. I'm like, why? Okay, Kaki, uh, you know, the hate, the cruelty, I, I, my words, the vitriol. When you think about them, 
do you know where they're coming from? Let, let me proceed. Is this anything political? I do think that, I think that um, most of it is political, I'm not going to lie. Because I had an influx of that commentary um, up, until, up until people, because I've been posting sort of my thoughts on things for a very long time, but I don't think that I was ever as heavily involved in it as I am now, given that quarantine, I haven't really left my apart- the apartment in uh, six months. So, you know, especially now, I think I've, I can devote more attention to that, to that online discourse and stuff. And, you know, I'm not in school. Um, I had to defer because they weren't, oh my gosh, Tito Boy, that's another cuento, that school, that's, oh, but anyway, so I had to defer. So I'm on like a gap year right now, effectively. Okay. So I'm able to focus on all this work. And I think okay. that now long, that I'm being vocal and now long that it's like, you know, that I'm maintaining that vocal, but now people are watching. It's so strange to me because I never got that same influx of like basher comments and like, you know, of hate, etc. Until until this these last few months, it, and the the weird thing also is sometimes it's so it's so obviously calculated because I'll wake okay. up in the morning and then suddenly there's like a thousand new comments on my Instagram and I'm like but I don't get a thousand comments on my Instagram but they're only from like four accounts and it'll be all at the same time if that makes sense you know and I'm like that's not human that's not for people randomly deciding to spam my accounts at exactly the same time and all over my feed. Like okay. they'll scroll down to super old photos and stuff. It, it feels weirdly calculated to be, like it's too calculated to, okay. to be authentic. Yeah. I get it. Uh, since we are in the topic of uh, politics, do you and your dad disagree? Yes. Like uh, on what? I mean, I mean, give we me- don't disagree on, We don't disagree on fundamentals. Okay. But I will say that- um, I think that there's also like a sort of, because my dad is, um, what I value most about my dad, I guess, also as a, especially as a political figure, is that he's been pretty transparent. He's a very open book. He's unshakable integrity. And, you know, you can look into his career to, just to know that. There's so, like, there's so many, you know, in fact, I remember in 2007, it was like he didn't agree with either of the parties because one of them um, was run by, Okay, I won't give specifics now, but let's say there were two parties who were basically asking, like, can you join our ticket, etc. But uh-huh. both of them were sort of headed by um, people who he already kind of made clear to the public he did not agree with the leadership of, etc. So that's why he, he ran independently in 2007, which was crazy. And, you know, to do that on a national scale, it's, it's nuts. And I remember being really small on that tour, on that um, campaign bus, the campaign trail, and just kind of like, you know, there were moments of hesitation also where it would feel as if the money would run out sometimes and then suddenly the next day we just get a call and it was like, push, 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 every last cent, every last no, penny. What you're trying to say, it can be very expensive to it can be super run expensive. as independent because exactly. you don't uh, get help from, you know, the, the, the party. But fundamentals, uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about fundamental issues uh, like uh, the death penalty, like yeah. constitutional amendments. You and your dad are on the same page. I, I think for a lot of them, yeah. But that's, yeah, because he's, he's, a, he's a lot more, obviously, he's, he's quite, um, and I don't mean this in terms of the partisan term, I just mean it like in terms of the political, like, okay. leftist, right, like, whatever. He's quite liberal, and, which is just ironic, <laughs> but yeah, he is quite liberal. And, you know, given especially, because the Philippines, I think, is still a predominantly conservative country. And so that's, that's especially rare. So it's like, you know, it's cool to me to be able, and we talk about a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, 
Because I'm his only drinking buddy at home also. Because my mama can't drink. She'll have like two sips of something and she's gone. So what, 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 what do you drink? Wine or beer. That's pretty okay. much it. So depending on the mood of the night. If it's a long convo, wine. If it's like over dinner, just a couple who, minutes. Who gets drunk first? I actually don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm thankful that I, I got his tolerance. Because oh. I don't know where... Yeah, so that's okay. the thing. I, yeah. And we don't... I think I, I is this think the kind of thing, Kaki? Is this the kind of thing that the more you drink, the more vibrant the conversation gets? The more deep, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I learn more sitting down with my dad for an hour than I ever have from any class ever put together. Like, <laughs> truly. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Because then I can ask him, and I'll ask him very, very direct questions, you know? Like, I'll be like, oh, so like in your student days, you were very much like, yeah, I'll like because I know that he's sort of shift. He, obviously, one's views will always change depending on like your age and like your wisdom and your experiences, etc. So I like to ask him about like why this changed or why this changed, changed, etc. And stuff. Yeah. Exactly, what changed? And then you know it's nice to get that insight because now, especially, I feel like you know college kids, especially those all around the country, are leaning towards like socialism and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm not away from that either. I'm like I get it. Like I I re- I need to read more about it, but I'm still like I get it, and it's like Dad understands that. Dad understands because that because he was I there. Think, yeah, he was there, and that's why I keep asking him now. I'm sort of like, so what shifted, you know? And he hasn't like, I'll be honest, like his answers are really really long, so I'm not gonna like explain it here. But it's just you know, it's nice to get that sort of perspective and to get that from someone who's lived their life pretty much. In like thinking already about these conversations that we're having, he likes to say that because I used to think of. He says when he was younger, like my age, he's like I used to think of Kiko Junior, and I used to say, "Well, what the heck would I tell my kids? You know, if like if I did this, if I did, you know, if I tried to teach my kids out right and wrong, what the heck would I be doing then? If I if I didn't do what's correct, or if I didn't maintain my own integrity, you know, how could I look my kids in the eye? And so yeah. it's interesting. Kaki, would you run? For public office? Nope. <laughs> Why not? I think public service in itself is something that I'm always going to be attached to. Um, I'm never going to stop doing public service work and like social work, etc. But public office, I think there are so many darker sides to politics that people don't often see that I've been sort of made privy Exposed to. Given, to. Yes. Yeah, given like where my dad is at. And so, you know, and his... His national career is actually as old as me, which is really interesting um, because he won in 2001 and I was born in the year 2000. So for him to, um, which is, of course, that's not corruption huh? because in the middle, there's two terms and then in the middle, he took a three-year right. break and then he ran again and then he won. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's about as old as me, which is crazy. And it's like, you know, that's all I've ever known in other words. And I remember realizing to myself recently, I was like, all of his work files that I used to look over as a kid, I'd like read through all of his work stuff, all of the minutes of his meetings, all of like the, you know, all that thing, all that, um, what do you call that? Bar? Dispatches, I guess, from like his office, the they'll send here. Isn't that so New York? Dispatches. Yeah, it, dispatch, <laughs> exactly. So that's me. So like that, as I rifled through them and as I, you know, I have a habit of doing that. I'll pick up my coffee in the mor- morning to this day, like now that I'm drinking coffee, I'll, I'll just sit there and I'll like read his stuff. And I realized, I think a couple of years ago, like, I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, that's something that people don't have access to. Like, that's something that, that's an education that's just sitting there waiting to be accessed. Yeah. And so that's okay, why. That's I really- where I'm coming from. 
I mean, yeah. you're fish born into water. I mean, you're born into <laughs> politics. You wouldn't even, uh, you know, I don't think you can, I mean, just listening to your narrative, everything is public service and politics. So, but I also understand when you say that I, I wouldn't want to get into, you know, an elective post because, you know, mm-hmm. it is, I get that question. I mean, you know, because everybody in my family is into politics and I have yeah. the same stand. But my question is, are you open to changing that stand? I mean, I'd be open to changing it, but it's a boy truly... If I let's say because people want me, but they're like, oh, run for president, etc. And I'm just like, I honestly feel as if if I ran for public office, I would be doing the public a disservice because I'm simply not passionate about that side of that work. I get it. And I know that there's real people out there who like, you know, SK people and things like that who really, really, that's what keeps them up at night. That kind right. of political, like public service, like work, etc. And, and you, you feel know, that in your belly, you, you, you feel that fire. You exactly. know. Yeah. Um, just a little bit about politics, because uh, I was reading some materials and I love this particular discourse about, you know, uh, your realization over the quarantine about, <laughs> uh, you know, black and white mm-hmm. and once humanized, you know, uh, circumstances. They, you know, every point of view is understandable, but not justifiable. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw the line? I think when there's harm, that's number one it, right? That's, that's pretty much where the line should be drawn. It's like if you, if, the, if there well, are what, people's What do you mean life, by harm? Because some people would say, you know, people have the right, this is really interesting, yeah. people have the right to offend. I mean, if it's, of, if it's offense, even that can be sort of argued that it's understandable but not justifiable, okay. right? All right. But when it comes to like, taking human lives or when it comes to, you know, things like that, like fundamentally like inflicting harm upon someone, willful destruction. I feel like that's where the line must be drawn when it comes, when it begins to sort of really impede upon one's basic human rights. And when, when there's sort of like inequalities not involved, etc. I think that's where the line is drawn for me. But again, it's always about principle. Not, not, yeah. I think what I mean by that is I'm not ever going to, attach myself to a political ideal like to a political um party i guess i'm never going to attach myself to like one establishment and its views i will always sort of pick and choose on what i what i believe in and like you know so that it's holistic yeah i i totally get it um you don't necessarily ignore you clap back (laughs) (laughs) you do what is your criteria what makes you clap back This podcast is also brought to you by AMA Online Education. Study at your own pace, place, and time. Perfect for those who are working but want to go back to school. Nicest thing is whatever subjects you have taken previously can be evaluated and credited. When it's funny. I think that's primarily it. Okay. It's funny. Because there's some that are just baboys, so like you just want to block now, you know. But then there's some where it's like literally so funny, and I'm just like, okay. I think that's the thing, Gen Z, for the memes. You just do it. Where, where did the... you get this uh, sardonic, almost, this wry sense of humor? No, I think it's a generational thing. I don't know if it's ah, either okay. of them, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think, think it's, it's just my entire generation. Thing. Yeah, okay. we're the type to, we're the type to really want to, you know, to. How do I put it? We all kind of want to die, but 
we won't die without fighting for other people's rights first. Like I think that's pretty much Gen Z. Okay. okay. We all kind of we all kind of love that discourse of like, okay, so that's why now especially now that so many Pinoys online I guess are talking about the rapture, etc. It feels <laughs> as if the kids are all kind of like, Yes like the kids are like, Let's go you know, okay. and the adults are like terrified. <laughs> okay, so before we die, I want you to talk about your music. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so, it's a concept album that's been sitting on a shelf because of COVID. And by concept album, I mean an album where all of the songs and all of the promotional material, all of the videos, it's all going to be curated to fit a storyline. And the storyline, it got kind of eerie for me. I'm not going to lie because um, this is the first time I'm ever going to be talking about it on a public um, place. Thank you. So, hi. But uh, this, so the storyline is basically revolved around uh a fictional sort of alternate universe thing where there's only one network that controls all of media and that like I'm supposed to be like an artist that's owned by that network but the and so you know so all of like the videos that come out and all of like the short films that are currently like I've written them all it's just that we can't produce them yet because of COVID obviously but it's like it's all gonna match up and it's all like a lot of subliminal messages and all a lot of you know, and it's just one big commentary on censorship and why you know media outlets are important and i felt as if it was so weird because i proposed this in feb and then mm. abs cbn was closed down in like a couple of weeks later a few weeks later and i got i don't know it, it kind of gave me chills but like that's so that's it's gonna be fun and i hope to be able to finish that soon but recording muna which will happen in october uh, how so, does how does it sound? It's right now because I have so I've written forty songs over quarantine. So what? I actually have to yeah I have to. Can you say that again? Four zero. Four zero. Wow. I have to um trim them down because obviously that's pretty much two albums now, right? So I want to release a couple singles first. There's there's some sad songs, but because I think I have some sad songs, I want it all to kind of feel ambient if that makes sense like very atmospheric like you're taken somewhere else when you're listening but at the same time there's some dancey songs finally because I, I think my friends were getting so sad they were like dude we can't play your music at parties because it's just so sad and I was like okay so I'll make some dancey music <laughs> That's where we're at. and I'm in a much happier place so I think all my music as of late has been much happier it's just the old songs that are sad so old songs like old songs like uh you should watch out for one called Shatter. That's my sh- that's my saddest one. Because the whole hook is, you let me shatter before you let me go. <laughs> Which I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. <Hold on. laughs> uh, what, what do you look forward to, Jackie? Like in general or like everyday yeah. basis? Like small general. things or... Both small and... Big thing. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody's looking after, um, looking forward to after COVID, no, <laughs> post pandemic agendas. Okay. I feel like that's big for me. I, I, mean, I love the way you say it. The post pandemic agenda. agenda. That's me. I have a. I have a list. It boy. <laughs> I have a. <laughs> I haven't seen my friends in since January, so that's crazy. Um, and I look forward to writing more. To be honest, I'm fin. I'm about to finish. Oh, that's fun. I'm about to finish my first ever novel in my 12 years of writing novels. Wow. Yeah. And what is it called? Um, of things I'm certain. It's part of the bigger because I'm writing a of bunch of novels. I am certain. Certain. Yeah, it's on Wattpad now, and it's um, it's actually very, very, very cute. Um, it's a, it's about a bisexual Pinoy boy and a gay Latino boy, and 
yeah and they're like part of like magical families because the whole universe i'm sorry if that sounds so nerdy but the whole universe is it's a magical world and oh, it's not nerdy. so there yeah. <laughs> of <laughs> so things i am certain interesting yeah because, it's about um, a bisexual boy falling in love yeah, with with a gay latina boy but then the latina boy is kind of closeted but so this story is going to end this novel in itself is going to end a little tragically but that's because their story picks up in one of the other books so people have congratulations yeah, and you finished this like, book Wow. Yeah, I'm going I'm about to finish it. One last update and it's done. For the right. first time in 12 years of writing novels, I will finish a novel. Wow. And it's about, you know, it's about uh, a gay Latino boy and uh, <laughs> a bisexual. The other one is a bisexual. Yeah, because I wanted to I think that's my my primary thing was how do I put this? There's lots of other gay couples also in the series in itself. Okay. But they're the they were my primary focus for a while because number one, I feel as if a lot of um a lot of like gay media in the Philippines particularly likes to portray gay men as effeminate, you know, when they're not always effeminate. And no. so they're both, yeah, they're both quite emasculate. And um, Bash, that's his name, is bi. He's because he's the Pinoy one and he's bi because also I don't think there's a lot of bi representation in media either. You know, you always either see someone who's gay or who's straight and like when it's gay, they're usually flamboyant and effeminate and extremely like out there. But then that's not always what it is. So that, yeah. I don't know. It, I just felt like it was something different. And, but thank you. Thank you for doing that book. Uh, thank you. I can't wait uh, to read of things I am certain. And thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you very much. I learned a lot. And, uh, but we're not done yet. Okay. <laughs> what do you want to, you know, I just wanted to ask you this. What do you want to say to the young man that you're going to fall in love with sometime soon in the future? Oh, I love you already. Oh. I need to. I feel like I need to make it very clear to the boy because uh, I know that a lot of people might. With this, after this, a lot of people might like come to my like. No, I'm such a romantic. I am such a romantic, and I think that's what's painful about this whole thing. Now, a lot of people expect me to be very much like. You know what I mean? Like I can. Like I. I can still be an independent, strong, like career-driven woman who just wants to fall in love at the end of the day, right? Like I can still do that. There's a place in feminism for that, for sure. Yeah. And I just think, I don't know. Wow, I'm getting so sappy now. Um, <laughs> I, the next dude I'm going to fall in love with is going to really know he's loved. And I feel like, yeah, I'll just keep it at that for now. <laughs> wow. My last question. <laughs> yes, Tita. Kaki, who are you when no one is watching? Terrified. <laughs> I'm utterly terrified of everything and yet also so absolutely in love with everything so i'm not really sure i guess that's, if that's, um, that's fine that's fine yeah stephen sondheim has this song called um being alive it's from the play company yeah and i think that that's that's just me <laughs> i don't know how to explain it but that song is very much like where i'm at right now Because the lyrics are so, so, so beautiful. And they won the Tony for best composition that year. So that was really cool. And some lines? Someone to hold me too close. Someone to hurt me too deep. Someone to sit in my chair and ruin my sleep and make me aware of being alive. Make me alive. Kaki, thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. You have my love. You have my respect. 
Thank you, you very much. Oh, Thank that you. means the world. Thank you, Peter. Uh, thank you so much, Kaki. And uh, stay healthy. And take, good ca- yeah, and take good care of yourself, please. Thank you, Kaki. It's quite surprising that you learn so much from somebody who is, what, 19 years old. She turns actually 20 in December. I loved it when she proudly called herself Kiko Jr. I also love the idea that it has become clear to me why there is so much vibrance when people who identify themselves as Gen Z. Kaki put it so succinctly when she talked about and if you remember, she spoke about endurance. And the more you know, the more you doubt about certain things. I thought that was really brilliant. Parang sabi ko sa sarili ko, kung naman, you know, we go to school, uh, we go through life learning a lot of lessons only to find out uh, when you go home and when you talk to yourself, you say, wow, ang dami-dami ko pang dapat matutunan. She talked about her music and she talked about uh, censorship. It would be lovely to listen to that kind of music and uh, that commentary about being told actually what to do and how somebody like Kaki Pangilinan would react uh, to, to the concept of uh, censorship. I was really glad to find out that she has this of things I am certain. A story about a bisexual boy falling in love with a gay boy, Latino, what happens there. And it's actually a thrill just to think about it. And how expansive the personality and the humanity of this young girl. When I asked her, what do you want to tell the young man? (laughs) She, of course, said, dude, you're going to fall in love with. I loved it when she said, he's going to be loved. Or better yet, he will be loved. And to my last question, Kaki, who are you when no one was watching? It meant a lot to me because here you are in front of a girl who was, I think, not deliberately, but unconsciously stripping herself naked when she said, terrified, contradicted herself by saying, in love. But are they really contradictions, being terrified and being in love? Now I'm learning because the answer is no. And quite often in the conversation, I heard her say, does it make sense? And that means a lot to me. Everything I say, everything I do, everything the other does to me or does in front of me, it makes sense to ask, does it make sense? Kaki Pangilinan, thank you. And to you out there, thank you for eavesdropping. And by the way, let me ask you this. Who are you when no one is watching? Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Thank you.